Welcome to the Keeping Kids Safe podcast. My name is Karen Cohn. I am the co-founder of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety. This is your number one resource for all things related to your child's emotional, physical, and social well-being. Now I'd like to introduce my co-host and my friend, the executive director of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety, Megan Ferraro. Hi, Megan. Hi, I am so pleased to welcome to the podcast today, New York Assemblywoman, Stacey Pfeffer Amato. Uh, Stacey represents um, the 23rd District, which includes Queens in New York, and was first elected in 2016. Good afternoon. Welcome. We're so happy to have you on with us today. First, I want to tell you, so I'm a New Yorker as well, but I'm from the suburbs of New York, born and raised, and now I live just over the border in Greenwich, Connecticut. And um, so my both of my parents grew up in New York, and so I am still very connected to the work there um, and, uh, and, of course, the state as well. And so... So thrilled to have you on today and talk about the new legislation that you just passed. And we want to start by congratulating you for getting this done. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's an honor to be kind of a representative in this community to talk about childhood drowning and, and safety of our children, for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here with us today. And um, I wonder if you could start by telling us why you decided to run for office and how you decided to really dedicate your life um, as a life of service to your uh, community members. Thank you. That's a nice question because it brings in my uh, my mother. So um, my mother was a New York State Assemblywoman for 25 years. And uh, like most families, I guess you kind of see what your parents do for a living, and a lot of us follow in those footsteps. I, on the other hand, never wanted to run for elected office, knowing, uh, I guess, it, not the heart, the, the work of the, the work is great because it's all about people, but I just never felt it was my space. Um, at the point that I had an opportunity to run, I think my whole life changed. My area I live in went through Hurricane Sandy. 87% of my district was damaged from Hurricane Sandy. Um, I work for public service. I always work for the fire department. Or I, I also work for board of education, and my um, own perspective changed. And I started to run for office because it's about people and it's about serving people in a different capacity. And um, I've been doing it ever since, and it's a fabulous, fabulous opportunity to represent the community that you were born and raised in. Absolutely, and we've been running programming all throughout the United States, but we were running programming in Queens through our Zach camps for several years, and really enjoyed our work that we were doing there. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about why drowning prevention became such an important um, piece of your work over the last several years. Well, it, it goes right with the question, you know, of why I ran. It's a, it's a, it became obvious as a child born and raised on the Rockaway Peninsula, uh, the ocean on one side, Jamaica Bay in another, born and raised, stand between my toes, learned how to swim at a camp, uh, really know well, and never thought of swimming as an issue. Until as you get older and live life, and every summer there's drownings, and drownings of someone's cousin, someone who came to visit the beach, um, and the stories just grow and grow. Now you're an adult, um, and there was a lot of tragedies. So when I became, you know, became the assemblywoman, ran and won, um, it's funny, people come to you differently, and conversations started to say, what can we do to prevent it? How can we prevent it? 
and and that's where I really became an advocate, listening to the advocates, listening to folks um, like yourselves that you know had lost someone in, in through drowning, um, and say how can we fix this, and then bringing it on the state level to have that discussion. So again, right here in this neighborhood, we go through it like will it be ten this year? Will it be twelve? What happened? Do they know how to swim? Are they visitors? And then learning, really learning, and that's one thing I love about being an elected official. I learn something new every day and really learning about the disparities in black and brown communities, in poorer communities, in the obvious, um, lessons that are not being taught. My other piece of legislation is about bringing it into education and the New York City education to make it part of the curriculum. Somewhere along the line to talk about um, dry education, tides and buoyancy and all the things that go with it without ever going into a pool. So it just kind of grew naturally, which is orga you know, organically, which is kind of how I legislate. You know, I don't put tons of legislation, my name on it, things that come with passion. And my own civic group locally been reached out and now we've come, kind of become a community mission, if you want to say, to really talk about swimming, safety, education and saving lives. It's incredible. Was there a turning point or something that happened in the last few years that made you realize, okay, this, something has to happen? Um, I remember, you know, part of my job is tracking drowning trends around the country, and particularly those that are close to our headquarters in Connecticut. And so I, I know that I was seeing an increase in drownings on the Rockaways, and I wonder if that led to some of this legislation that you've been working on. I feel like the Rockaways after Hurricane Sandy, we kind of went through, we're going through like a renaissance. No one knew we were here. Uh, people who lived in Brooklyn were still traveling out, say, to the Hamptons or further away or Jersey Shore. And after the hurricane, folks were coming out here to help us recover, which was beautiful, simply beautiful. But then saying, wait a second, it just took me 45 minutes on a bus or I took, you know, I drove here and rediscovered and then found out that their parents came to Rockaway Beach and throughout the peninsula, I should say, there's Breezy, there's Farquay, but people kind of rediscovered it and we started getting much more people coming here. Then roll in the pandemic was at the end of it, really, but people needed places to go outside and I saw the boardwalk packed with people. We have lifeguards from 10 to 6. Well... Drownings happen after the lifeguards leave because people don't realize you need a lifeguard. And they're, they're not, you know, again, if you're someone who swims, I'm older now. If I see a yellow flag, my 55-year-old knees are not going anywhere that I can get pushed over, tumbled. People don't understand. We don't have a flag system in New York City. There's a lot of systems we don't have that are uh, European systems or even out in, you know, if you take other states, have flag systems. So the conversations, I would say, started about four years ago, pre-pandemic, but really came, the nerves were shot when it's 8 o'clock and the beaches were packed. And who's going to watch who's going into the water? Families letting their kids go up to their ankles, up to their knees in the ocean, let's just say. So let's just keep it to the ocean and the bay. And that's what kind of brought it on. And that's where the increase was happening. And we were hearing, oh, someone drowned. We all know here, if we hear a helicopter in the summer, it's a drowning. So after hours and uh, non-lifeguard drownings, because no one, I don't think I've heard of a drowning with a lifeguard in years. It was a lot of that kind of um, conversation that brought a forward. And then everyone thinks it's the ocean. And the other side of me is the bay. And I'm gonna say that was four years ago, a young, a young person died from drowning in the bay. And everyone's like, the bay? Well, the bay has current, the bay has tide, the bay has waves, the bay has, you know, so it was back to that conversation of, does everyone understand that water is a living, breathing 
you know, matter. So, is the bay lifeguarded? No, no, not at all. It's it's really swim at you know. There's a canoeing, there's a um, kayaking area now, so I guess it's a swim at your own risk sort of. Um, I don't want to bring any trouble onto my community that way, but it's only boats and there's kayaks. Um, this person went out when those areas of public space was closed. A lot of the work that we do in Chicago around Lake Michigan is about just that, really teaching people that just because it's not an ocean doesn't mean that there aren't tides and waves that can be really rough and that can really impact your ability even if you are a strong swimmer. So we're doing a lot of work around, you know, life jacket stations and ring buoys for rescue purposes. Um, so anyway, this is a conversation that we have often and it's, it's such a shame that there have been some losses of lives in that bay. Well, and, and it's interesting because we have a new mayor now and he talks about health. So we could pivot right now and talk about that learning to swim and having swimming in your life is a healthy habit and a healthy lifestyle. Then we could talk about if our young folks would learn how to swim and could possibly become lifeguards, we always have a shortage, right? Or we don't have enough or there, you know, we talk about having part-time lifeguards. We don't have enough, you know, so that's a, a job path as a young person to take something you love because we talk about it all the time in my office, um, but we, we know the numbers. If your parents know how to swim, then you know how to swim. So generationally here on our third generation of folks who don't know how to swim in the black and brown community because it didn't, it's already passed the next generation. And then we talk about what the, what swimming in someone's life could bring them. So there's this whole positivity side of it to just pivot away from drownings and safety. And then we all talk about STEM and science. Well, why don't we bring this discussion into it? I remember doing the floating egg, you know, years ago. I don't know what we do now in that conversation to bring to to school. But I work with a couple of great groups, and we we're at our we're at our um, science uh, summer fairs and boardwalk fairs and different places and just learn about this whole issue that I did naturally about swimming pools of who's who's the person on duty and who has the orange badge and I give it to you after 15 minutes to watch the kids in the pool and um, knowing that we did it as a family but didn't know that there's a whole effort out there. So why wouldn't we want to teach this to kids? Do you know who's watching you when you're in a pool? And we assume everyone's been in a pool and who comes to the pool party and so on and so forth. So there's so many layers of this. The commission um, the bill that I passed now is a law. You know, this is what we're trying to figure out what should be the focus of the bill. Of course, it's about preventing drowning, but how to do it and to fund it. What I really want to do is make sure there's funding for this. So if you're not for profit, you're uh, maybe you are for profit, but there has to be monies and grants out there to bring in the communities that aren't getting the education or a campaign to make sure, again, as a new parent, Maybe you don't live in a neighborhood that you didn't grow up with pools in your neighborhood, but now you're fortunate too. Do you know all the safeties behind having when your kids go to a friend's pool, young age, teenage years? So there's a lot that we could do with this commission. But at the end of the day, it's all about saving lives. Absolutely. And I, I see that you, the goal is obviously to create and launch new tactics to reduce drownings, but I also am seeing some discussion around data um, and obtaining data. And is that something that you're involved in? Yeah, we really haven't taken our commission off the ground yet. Right now in New York State, it's budget season and no one talks to you out of budget season. 
Um, but I think that if we could pull data, so let's use you, you're, you're we're in the tri-state area, you know, everybody who has data, we should be sharing that and we should be looking at places maybe we're missing. One thing I always bring to claim for myself is I don't know everything. And we're gonna rely on groups like yourself, grassroots, people who brought information from your own community, other, um, uh, I would say habits, but other maybe trends going on to notice where we could pivot and use that data. For myself, let's say we are a beach community and there's tons of surfers going on now, surfing schools. We're finding is who's legit and then who's really giving some water safety before first time surfers. Could you imagine you go on Instagram, you find a company, you come to the beach and you sign your camera for lessons. So what makes a certified uh, surfing instructor and how much, you know, how much hours of safety do they have? And do they have CPR on hand? Like we've just, it's just been growing days and numbers as I think we're kind of coming out of the woods, I should say out of the ocean and talking about it more because it's a growing industry and that's fantastic, but I don't want folks who are not gonna promote beach safety, ocean safety, and then at the end of the day, keeping the environment clean and pick up your trash when you go. So it's really pivoting and what does that data look like? So this has been a small group of um, surfing instructors that I've been talking to and uh, they've been really coming forward talking about the folks that don't have any credentials teaching surfing lessons in an ocean, which to me is the next tragedy unfortunately. And then I think also there are a lot of school trips that have also, um, that go to the Rockaway beaches as well, right? So we had a tragic drowning on a, I want to get it right. It was a school holiday. I feel like it was, it was September. So maybe it was like Rosh Hashanah and the schools were closed, but it was crazy hot and there was no lifeguards on duty. And the kids came to the beach, and um, there was one. There was one where the kids came on their own, and there was one where the teachers came out. But again, no lifeguards. You know, now the police are very aware of that because groups of kids were all out here. Because you know, I don't want to say that I cut out of school on a warm day, but that's what you do. You know, you figure out where can we go hang out as a group that we're not going to be broken up, and that's conversations. Now the police are very aware. We're going to have a preseason meeting. Um, probably in April, March, maybe the end of March, and we'll talk about all of these conversations, uh, talk about all these topics to make sure that the police are aware, to make sure on um, school days off, now we're off for different religious holidays, and make sure the police are aware when kids are out there. Our parks department does not have enough enforcement. You know, we don't want ticketing, but we want enforcement. It's very difficult. Um, we've seen that. So they're doing a better job, that's for sure putting out local, um, uh, like on a any given day, you'll see tides are high. This is just so trying to get as much communication out there. It doesn't stop people off, off hours, eight o'clock on a hot day in July. So that's when we have to talk to the parents, I think. In, in, in edu you know, preventing childhood drowning, I think teenagers, young adults, we could talk to them, but in the younger ages, we have to talk to the parents. Absolutely, and we've, that's, you know, in part why we've started, you know, running some of the programming that we are, right? So we run in-person swimming lessons and CPR training and lifeguard certification and water safety instructor certification through the American Red Cross. But we really felt like we needed to reach parents where they were already spending time, like on podcasts, or um, we just created an app with the American Red Cross called Swim. 
um, and then lots of social media content, just really trying to reach parents where they're already doing other things. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's efforts like that. It's working with educators, right, that can easily communicate with parents, whether it's through doing work in the classrooms or sending home letters. Um, and then it's, you know, some of this grassroots work in collaborating with legislators and administrators and first responders that it really does. Karen talks a lot about the whole community approach, and that really is what we feel needs to happen in order to make an impact in the rate of drowning that we're seeing in communities across the country. I agree with you completely. And I think taking, you know, thinking about all these platforms, which we all don't, we watch our kids to say, the social media, YouTube, all the, you know, all the negativity from it. But if I could take myself back in time when I was a young stay-at-home mom, um, that's probably where I w got a lot of my information. In a pinch, we all learned, no one likes Amazon, but when we need a blue T-shirt for Blue Shirt Day, who do you go to? And I would think in a world of Googling, um, I myself just used a video to, to learn something um, on a campaign site, but I looked at the video and it was great because it really showed me exactly where I was following along with them on my own computer, knowing where I could go to. So a conversation like this, if you, ear, you know, your earpods, that's one thing I think that came out of um, COVID that the positive is Zoom and learning that I could put my earpods in and do my dishes. I could make my dinner and listen to my kids' peer, parent association meeting. I could Google this and put it on in my car. And I think that you're brilliant for doing this in this way, not just to me and the whole podcast, because I have friends who send me podcasts. Did you hear this? Put this on when you're driving to Albany. So I do think it's another way as busy moms and women, and I'll say, sorry, Rich, but that's who we are, that we're good multitaskers, and this is a great platform. And I think most moms will say, I love that I could be home and go on that parent association meeting. Because when I was a PA president, we had 10 people at a meeting at best. And now there's 150 on that meeting. So that says something about this platform. So great. And I think the grassroots is going to schools, for sure. This way of life makes it easier for working parents, right? That it's not, you know, deciding between hiring a babysitter so you can go to the PTA meeting or, you know, or missing out on that information altogether. So it is really makes it easier for parents to be more engaged, even in this weird remote life that we're living. It is. And, and I think it's choice, right? So I travel to Albany for three hours and everyone knows I'm, I'm a 70s disco listening woman. But then I do like put on my news channel, right? Or put on other, again, whoever sends me a podcast, you could do that with hands-free driving. I know my other colleagues do books on tapes. So there's different ways you could do your work. But again, if you're Googling like child safety or how do I, you know, I do it all the time. How do I do this and this? Well, how do I keep my child safe in the ocean? Does New York City have lifeguards you know and you google it at least we're helping parents get information because backpack notices um at the end of my kids are in college now but so a couple of years ago it was too much and there was too many emails so i think suggesting podcasts is different and everyone learns differently and hears differently so when you're on your fifth email i'm tuned out myself so again i want to compliment you on in this space um and I could see my legislative director being like, we're doing one of these. So thank you for having me on. And I want to keep the conversation going. But I've learned myself, this is how I do it. I, I actually love my civic meeting is at 730 at night. And I'm, I'm a different person, it's, even though they'll have me on. But I listen differently when I'm home and take notes differently, for sure. Absolutely. So we would love to hear more about the commission. So 
tell us what that's going to look well, like. I was going to turn that to you about my commission. Before I even talk about the commission, I'm going to pose a question to you. Tell me where, where I can help you or any legislator. So if I was your legislator, um, tell me where you think help can be needed. And it goes along with the commission, so I'm actually asking a commission question because I would want to go to you to say you're out there, I hate to say on the streets, in the streets, you know, <laughs> grassroots, in the community. Tell me where you think we can go to help save uh, save lives and, and, and make a difference. So what um, I think Megan and I would both say, and I don't want to speak for her, but it's curriculum in schools, number one. And even if that's just choosing one particular grade, um, doing it in PE, and as you mentioned, dryland water safety, that's doable. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be in water. So I 100% agree. So before uh, being elected, I was a paraprofessional, um, work, you know, work for the Board of Education in the schools. And, and I think it's been a blessing and a, it's a blessing for me, but it's been a curse for the school system because June, when every kid, for us in New York City, you know, we're in school till, you know, June 24th. And yes. everyone's struggling in June. Go to parks, get kids outside. Well, isn't this the perfect discussion to have in the month of June? You're trying to figure out how to make it exciting. Please talk something that, like, I could say, oh, oh, you're talking about a pool. I could see a pool. Or I know every year my family takes me here. Or we've, I've met with kids in this on this peninsula. I'm like, do you go to the ocean? I'm scared of the ocean. There's sharks in the ocean. You know. And, and here's a great conversation. So a curriculum, 100%. Yes. <laughs> and, well, there's a couple of interesting things you can think about around mm -hmm. how how to pitch it to a school board. Uh, May is, is Water Safety Month, right? So we've thought a lot about even if you just did, you know, every Friday for a half of an hour during the month of May, or if you looked at International Water Safety Day in June or... July 25th was just named World Drowning Prevention Day by the UN. I think there's a couple of different ways you can anchor your water safety and drowning prevention programming around in schools. Uh, so that would be a great a great thing to do. And, and as Karen said, it could be in gym class. And so you're getting kids active. You're teaching them how to put on a life jacket appropriately, how to make sure it's not too big, how to reach, throw, don't go, um, you know, ensuring that kids really understand that they shouldn't be near the water without an adult. They should never swim alone. They should respect barriers. Uh, they should learn CPR, right, once they're older. So there's lots of different ways to deliver water safety curriculum outside of simply being in a swimming pool. I think that's great. I, I, I think those are all, that's what I, I want to hear when I sit in the commission. Uh, I'm hopefully, I'm pretty sure I'll be a member of my own commission, but you never know in life of politics. But those are the conversations because I think Sometimes government gets big, and I think government has to get involved here and hear that conversation, that one gym class of, I think I have that number, right, 15 minutes of education prevents 80, I think they've proven, like, I have a number, I know I do. Um, it was like 15 minutes of education prevents 56% of drownings. Just that hearing some conversation of a don't do this while this, you know, and why not? Why not? And if it's not experts or it's, if it's not... Um, if the teacher can't do it, there's so many organizations that, again, that's where they would come in with grants or after school. And I work with this wonderful organization that actually uses hotel pools for free swim lessons. They partner with a hotel 
and use early morning hours and take in folks who wouldn't have an opportunity to get swim lessons and learn how to swim. So these are dedicated kids who come at like eight o'clock in the morning and then go to school and things like that. Um, I do have, um, that is one bill that I have trying to go through the committee um, here is about curriculum and they push back. So New York City, now we have a new mayor. So the oh, past mayor was like, they were like, no, 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 curriculum, we can't, reading, writing, whatever. I was like, okay. <laughs> Again, as a paraprofessional, I mean, even if it's taking a floating guy and, you know, there's just so many other ways you could do hand-on conversations or bring it to this tough month of June, bring it to the after-school programs of, of, of schools, you know, make it a requirement for something, you know, a little push, a little, tough love will help save lives so i'm with you on that but i do think learning how to put on a safety vest or um very interesting i i've just done something in puerto rico and they were so on their game of making sure everyone's vests were on i've done others and we were like we all were like no one's ever done this for us like literally went around and took off if it wasn't right and it was just interesting it was you know we've all been to different places and we're like wow they are on their game and that was awesome. You know what I mean? Like just to experience it. But I think we could do that. Another thing. And that can all be We're part of that assuming. curriculum. Hmm? Sorry. Sorry. And that can all be part of that curriculum. Right. And we also always would I guess from swimmers, right? And I was on swim team, um, we always assume that everyone has that same level of knowledge. Like I've been on a boat in my life. I've been in families' pools and the ocean and the lake and had the ability to, you know, so we I you know, now this experience, you say to folks, who's been in a pool? I once went to a hotel. Like, you really, then you step back and you go, wow, what a big assumption we all take as a society. Whoa, okay, that's great. So when did you do that? That's awesome. Well, now you're in a hotel pool. We know there's no lifeguards, right? So what does that even look like for families who go to hotels? And that goes into the whole other conversation of talking to people about swimming pools separate from other types of waters right and, and one of my access. Best, i say it again so and i'm sorry just access right if your only access to a swimming pool is at a hotel um that you randomly went and stayed at once what does that say for your ability to continue to develop your swim skills you know there's a piece of legislation in florida called every child a swimmer that was passed i'm not sure if you're familiar with it um, but that piece of legislation requires that each child entering kindergarten will be asked um, the parents will be asked if their child has had swimming lessons. And if the answer is no, then the school is required to give parents a piece of paper with five learn to swim resources on it. Um, it doesn't require that, you know, Brilliant. the parent enroll their kids in swimming lessons, but it's simply kind of raising the veil on what lack of access might look like and how parents can access those resources. So um, that I think just started this school year. So it'll be really I interesting to see what happens there. See that's the follow-up. I love you. I would love to say that New York State gives me a robust staff, but that's sort of like the information that you need to hear about that you have the ability to sort of track or find out how it's going. But that is, see how simple that is. That's like here it is, and it, I hope it's bright neon and it's laminated, and you give someone resources because that's what we talk about. Like we're the resources, and New York City, what a I'm going to say it's a crime, but it's not a crime. But we have public pools. We have school pools, like my high school pool, that's not being utilized. They just went, time just took, time just brought on damage. And mm. we, I had to have swimming when I went to high school to graduate. Um, that's a big mandate. 
um, so those pools weren't being utilized. And when organizations try to use them, the red tape was enough to choke you. So we're working on that conversation for access to say, here's public pools. They're paid for by tax dollars. Why not let groups in? How do we let them in? And they'll say, well, we have to have security guards. Okay, so that's where granting should be done, even if it's an internal, you know, that you're asking for a waiver for, for the cost of security guards because you have 20 kids that you're bringing from your program into Learn Swimming. So that's, we have all these barriers up and that's what we're also trying to do is break down. And that I hope the commission is gonna have great ears because I have great ears to listen. And that's definitely a skill that not everyone has. Most of our partners probably don't, but to listen to that sort of conversation because that's how I learned that, right? It was a group that came to me and said, we can't get into the pool. And now they're charging us four times the amount because we need four security guards. And I was like, why? Right. It's, it's the wrestling team is practicing. What does it have to do with the pool? and we could not get them to coordinate this effort. Wow. And there is yes. pool, pools, because we don't have state pools in the city, and there's a few city pools, and people love city pools, but here's again, an, I have three high school pools in my assembly district that are not being utilized within the school community themselves, yet alone the outside community that wants to help the school community. Yeah, frustrating. No, I bet you'll find more. How many schools have pools? that they off hours why wouldn't it, why couldn't they do a saturday program yeah right and and on top of that it's do they have the lifeguards that can be there during that time and it is complicated and so um we would love to help you um to solve some of these um and that's where you know we've we've actually done something some we obviously didn't call it a commission but we call them drowning prevention action plans in different communities and each community has their own unique circumstances and they also have their own unique resources for solving these types of problems and so we have you know brought a whole group of people together similar to what you're trying to do with this commission to basically come up with a plan and that's exactly what you're going to be trying to do so we would love to help you with that if we can in some way absolutely look, look this conversation right now um, this is what i do i take your notes so um, I, I think a compliment is when i steal um, but, <laughs> exactly. steal, but it, it opens up the questions more and it, it, it broadens the topic so this bill was given to me from a good friend um, who's, who represents upstate New York. Again, my own naivety, and I'm thinking Ocean's Lake. You know, Ocean the Bay, he's like, hello, Lake Ontario. <laughs> you know, we have drownings. We have 10-foot waves. And I was like, you know what? In my head, it's Pennsylvania where my family would go. It was this little lake. We went out. It was, you know, like I never thought of what upstate New York looks like in this space. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we have so many drownings in our lakes. And I was like, wow. And that's where the kind of conversation grew in the legislation. It's a whole other story, but that's where it came from to broaden the discussion throughout the state and how could the state help? And I think like even what you're talking about, um, the action plan locally, like when I gave you my scenarios locally, I think the state can help talk about curriculum and the state could give funding. Because at the end of the day, I'm sure every group in your action plan talked about money, right? It would be great if we had some money to bring in some of these kids. We have, we do provide lessons for those who pay, and we know these kids a scholarship. So at the end of the day, I've learned one thing, it all comes down to funding. And that's what we're gonna look at 
to where it, maybe it's a, an application process and it's by region and folks can apply to get funding to maybe it is renting out the pool but we can't say renting is a bad thing if we're giving lessons to kids that can get them on this path blah 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 if we get into the school conversation some kid might say mrs smith i've never gone swimming before and mrs smith now knows the teacher that there's two organizations in their community that provide free lessons you mean that's sort of like what we have to help open up and conversations like this will bring you know that's what we've been working with some local groups to provide um lessons and pools and using different pools and things like that but it's not as it's not it's obvious to us because we want we want to prevent drowning it's not obvious to the people that don't know how to swim <laughs> that's that's it's such a weird space right we always, we always talk about that as breaking the generational fear right um and that is not an easy thing to do uh we operate pretty exclusively through boys and girls clubs and so oh, oftentimes we're hearing know. about um you know kids who aren't allowed in the water because they're worried if their ears get, their parents are worried if their ears get wet, they'll get an ear infection or, you know, they don't want their hair ruined, which is understandable. So we've, you know, shifted to include swim caps in our programming. So we really try to understand where some of the cultural gaps are so that we can meet parents where they, where they are and where they might need some support. Um, we've also partnered with, you know, in texting campaigns and trying to really talk to parents through texting campaigns so that they can understand why we're offering these swimming lessons and and what the risks are if you choose to you know not participate you know one of the things that came to mind for me when you were thinking about and talking about funding is um there is funding available through the federal government um, as it relates to water safety and swimming lessons through the pool safely campaign that's run by the consumer product safety commission and so states that are compliant with the Virginia Graham Baker Pool and Spa Safety Act. And I, Karen and I are texting and we think- New Yeah, York we're pretty sure New York is compliant. Right. So if, if indeed New York is compliant, then um, the state of New York can apply and cities and counties and townships can apply for the Pool Safely Campaign Grant Program and be awarded several hundred thousand dollar grants to implement water safety programming. So it could be that maybe the New York state matches what the federal government could give the state of New York. Um, and it's pretty interesting how they have the program laid out. So not only 50% uh, of the funding has to be used for water safety, education, swimming lessons, things like that. And the other 50% of the funding needs to be used for educating um, pool manufacturers and pool operators um, so that we're sure that pools are being held up to code and that outdated drain covers are being replaced so that, you know, stories like Zachary's um, are not repeated. I would appreciate if you could just add, follow up for me is email that that federal law to me. That'd be in interesting to um, um, incorporate and just follow up your to see what it is. I have a great relationship with um, Senator Schumer and just follow up with his staff to see where that is in New York State and if we do qualify or what or not, or the city does it, it is all different things. Sometimes it's municipalities and the city of New York is a very big municipality. So um, municipalities can apply for this for definitely. Sometimes like New York State city is different. We have so much money and that's, you know, but it'll be interesting. But again, as we talk about for other state and municipalities, even on the island, depending where you live, I mean, there's different, I could say like, look at Freeport, it's the town of Hempstead, not the richest. I'm sure that they would love funding where there's some uh, majority of black and brown folks 
and they don't have access. So that's part of what the commission has to do is figure out if it's granting federal government. There's money out there. You just have to figure out how to help people get there for sure. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, um, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but before you leave us, well, first I want to ask, is there anything you'd like to share with us that you haven't already shared? Um, I just think again, every day, I just, I, I just want to thank you for what your advocacy and, and, uh, and, and reaching out to us and know that we'll always be a friend and we can always regroup again and have this conversation. But no, it's something for me, this conversation is personal. It's not as personal, you know, as you and I th always thank folks who take their own tragedies and bring it to light and advocate for it. But growing up in my community, I, I don't want to ever hear that I lost another person or a visitor. And, and I think when it comes down to life, is where the most advocacy has to take place. You know, we do a lot of work here, for sure, um, in the especially in the environmental um, area. But swim safety and saving lives is, I think, we see it's a clear, not an easy easy pass, but it shouldn't be this difficult. So I'm happy to partner mm -hmm. with this space, and I think as three. Three, um, the tri-state area, we saw that a lot of things happen. You know, if one state did this during COVID, the next state does it. So I think anything you want to share that Connecticut does or anything else in that area that you see, bring it. We're, we're a small group as a city that we're taking notes ourselves because we can't know everything. You know, and, and if it's working there, why wouldn't it work here? And if that's our obstacle, why not? Because at the end of the day, we're trying to save lives and, and, and have hopefully you know, not, not legislated, just, just keep educating people and give that access and, and make swimming always a positive. So no, thank you. I appreciate the, I always appreciate the opportunity, especially from women in, in a strong uh, space and bringing conversation like this to other people. So cheers to us. Exactly. Cheers to us. And thank you for your work. And um, we look forward to, you know, to seeing what, what it brings. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would please um, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends and family, we would be so grateful. And with that, have a great week and we'll talk with you soon.